He's a way maker. There's nobody like Jesus. Amen. Come on, just tell him right now. There's nobody like you, Jesus. I can't depend on anybody like I depend on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, miracle worker. Light in my darkness. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful service we had last Sunday. Amen. We're excited about what God is doing. And many of you know this will be the last Sunday of the year. If you didn't, now you do. Amen. This is the last Sunday. So if you're going to worship in 2018, you've got to get it on today. Amen. If you're going to make some things right and lay down some burdens, you've got to do it today. Amen. Amen. But I'm going to, I want us to, if you would, get your Bibles out. And we're going to look at some Scripture today. And I won't keep you standing uh, real long, but I do want to read a few verses before you're seated. And then I'll let you be seated. But today I'm excited about what God is going to do. It's a great day to let go of the past. It's a great day to move into the marvelous things, the future that God has in store for you. Amen. Now and in your eternity. Amen. Amen. Your eternity could be changed because of decisions you make today. That's a powerful thing. You can go to a baseball game and your eternity is not going to be changed. Amen. You can go watch a football game like some people did yesterday. Wonderful, awesome, great. Maybe you won, maybe you lost. It really, it really doesn't matter because your eternity is not going to be changed. But decisions and things that happen today, amen, and while you're listening or watching this service today, they could be the decisions that change your eternity. Amen. So that's why uh, it, coming together is not, we don't, we don't do it just for sport. We don't do it just for show. We do it, amen, because it has eternal consequence. And we want to uh, focus on the Word of God for the next few moments, amen. And I want us to look at chapter 78 of the book of Psalm, verse 12. Psalm 78, verse 12. We're going to look at a few verses, amen. If you have the e-bulletin, and uh, if you took the time to pull that up, you will find it today. Uh, the, the verses are listed there. If not, they will be on the screen. But I do encourage you to look at them on your uh, Bible or on your electronic Bible. The verse says, Psalm 78, verse 12, Marvelous things. Somebody say marvelous. Marvelous. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zone. Now, I know that it sounds kind of weird, but I want us to take those first two words today, and that's going to be our text, Marvelous Things. Now, flip over just a couple pages to Psalm 98, and we're going to look at Psalm 98 and verse number 1. It says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten Him the victory. Amen. He hath done marvelous things. Now flip just a few more pages to Psalm 118. Amen. Psalm 118 and verse number 23. And it says, This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. And one more verse before I have you sit down. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to look at verse number 42. Matthew 21, verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, 
did ye never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. And this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Amen. I want to speak to you for the next few moments on this subject. And we're going to turn to the book of John chapter 9. But before we do, I wonder if you just focus in on marvelous things. Marvelous thing. How many of you have had a, a year of marvelous things so far? Good. How many of you have not had a year of marvelous things so far? Alright. Well, it depends on what perspective you're looking at today. I want you to know marvelous things are ahead. Amen. Amen. But if you'll go with me for the next few moments, we're going to look at what the Scripture has to say. Amen. We're going to take Jesus' words, we're going to take His principles, and we're going to apply them to our life. Are you ready? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank You for Your Word today. Thank You for what You're going to do in this place, in this house today. As we turn our hearts and minds to You today, we pray, God, that You would help us to be open to receive, God, the Word that You have spoken into our hearts. And for this service today, and God, we'll give You the praise and the glory. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. When we look at Matthew chapter 21 and, and we look at verse 42, it says that this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Throughout the entire Bible, uh, you find marvelous things, that, that God is able to do marvelous things. And the scripture, the first scripture we read out of Psalm 78, it, it basically says that even in Egypt, amen, He was doing marvelous things. Some people think that God can only do marvelous things when you're completely set free. No, He's doing marvelous things even when you're in sin, even when you're in captivity, even when things aren't going well and you haven't quite made all the right decisions lately. Come on, somebody. Amen. He's still able to do marvelous things because God is not hindered by our devotion or lack thereof. God is not hindered by our bad decision making. He can still do marvelous things anyway, anyhow, and anytime that He wants to do it. Amen. And so through the Bible we see uh, marvelous things being done by the Lord. And I want you to know that God is getting ready to do some marvelous things in your life. Amen. 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 Say, my life. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, in your life. In your life. Amen. You think that it's just by coincidence or by accident that you're here today and... I would tell you that it's not. And I would tell you that as you listen, amen, or watch this even online, and for those of you that are not with us, we, we welcome you. We're so glad that you are listening or watching today. We encourage you to join us in person. Why? Because God wants to do marvelous things in your life. Right. Amen. It's not just that Jesus will do something awesome. It's how Jesus will do it. Amen. Amen. It's the Lord's doing and it is marvelous. Somebody say marvelous. marvelous. Amen. And so we, we read Psalm 78 telling us about uh, how He did marvelous things even in Egypt in the land of Zone. And we, we read about uh, the victory, amen, in Psalm 98 in verse 1. When He gets the victory, it's a marvelous thing. When, when God helps you in your life to obtain victory and whenever everything seems like it's lost and your back's against the wall and it looks like there's no help. Amen. The Lord's going to do a marvelous thing. Amen. And He's going to get the glory. Amen. When it comes to doing what only God can do and, and God shows up and does what only He can do, that is marvelous. Amen. Amen. 
And so then the Scripture says in, in verse 18, 118 and 23 of Psalm, it says that the Lord did it and it's marvelous. Yeah. Amen. It's kind of like repeated. If you have a Scripture that, that talks about how uh, something's great or something's awesome and then you find that repeated. But this, almost the same exact words are repeated several times in the Scripture. And then we come... Even to uh, Matthew twenty one forty two and and it's talking about the stone which was which the builders rejected the same has become the head of the corner. It's really talking about when he came to his own and his own didn't receive him. Amen. They rejected him, but the same became the head of the corner. The same became the one. Amen. That all the church and everything following would be based upon. And so I can tell you today that the passion of the Christ, Amen, is marvelous. The passion of Jesus Christ, the death of burial, the resurrection, amen, of Jesus Christ is a marvelous thing for you and I because it changes the whole perspective of our eternity and our future. And we can look now today and we can say, man, He has done marvelous things and He has made marvelous things available in our life. And today we can move into a future of miraculous and marvelous things. Amen. In John chapter 9, if you would just Turn there with me. We're going to read several scriptures from there, and I'm going to kind of go through this story uh, with you. It, it's it's a maybe it's a I would say it's a popular story. I know that some people are, are more familiar with it than others, but let me just start with verse one, okay? John chapter nine and and verse one. Let's start there and let's read. We're going to read verse one. And and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. I want you to notice a few key words here. He was blind from birth. This man was blind from birth. This, this man had a problem for a very long time. We don't know exactly how old uh, that, that we, we see this in the Scripture. We don't see this right now, but we, we know that he was a man, but he had been born blind, so he was blind a long time, right? And the second verse says, And His disciples asked Him, His disciples are asking Him, saying, Master, uh, who did sin, this man or His parents, that He was born blind? He's, they're concerned with the blame. Who's to blame here? You know, because something's wrong, so obviously someone's to blame. Do you notice that in our society today? You know, man, this happened to this person, so the Democrats are to blame. This this happened to this person, so the Republicans are to blame. This happened to this person, so surely this person is to blame, or that person is to blame. Do, do you notice that we're still playing the blame game? I mean, this hasn't changed for thousands of years. Somebody does something wrong, and somebody's to blame. Or something bad happens, and somebody's to blame. And I like the way that Jesus handles this, because Jesus answers in verse 3, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So what Jesus said is nobody's to blame. This is just an opportunity for God to get the glory, and for this guy to get saved. Right. Some things are just part of life. Some things just happen. And I know that we don't like to accept that. There's always got to be a reason for everything. And we have to, you know, in our, in our feeble human minds, we have to understand everything and make everything work out. But there are some things, amen, that this man being born blind, Jesus said, nobody's to blame. There's nobody, nobody gets the blame here. It's just an opportunity for God to get the glory. 
And in verse 4 we read, I, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And Jesus is saying, now is the time. I don't have time to wait. It, it's this man's time right now. It, it's time for me to do the works of Him that sent me. It's time for me to be, amen, about the Father's business. It's time for me, amen, to heal and save and deliver. Now, right now, is the time. Amen. It's time for the marvelous things. It's time, amen, for the process to take place. It's time, amen, for this man right now. In verse 5, it says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and I, 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 man, why does he say this? Why does Jesus break out in this little discourse that he's making and he starts talking about the light? All right. Because this man was in darkness. Jesus said, how do you expect me to come? I'm the light of the world. How do you expect me to come to this man who's in darkness and not bring light to him? Right, right. Well, ooh, I feel like preaching now. <laughs> You're a Christian, right? Guess what you are? You are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. So guess what? When you walk into somebody's life that's darkness and, and they're spiritually blind, do you know what you're supposed to do? Shine! Come on, somebody. You're supposed to shine. You're supposed to let them know, man, God is good. God has done marvelous things in my life. God is awesome. Why? Because He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And Jesus is in us. And as we go to people who are spiritually blind, there needs to be an enlightenment. There needs to be an awakening. There needs to be an illumination that happens. Go on, somebody. That's got to take place. Why? Because Jesus said, if I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And the light shatters the darkness. The light's not afraid of the darkness. Amen. Light doesn't get scared of the darkness. Amen. And so Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, when He had thus spoken. Now, you got to get ready for this. Buckle your seatbelt. He said, it says that He spat on the ground. That's nasty. And he made clay of the spittle. Then he picks it up and starts playing with it. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Yeah. That's exactly what the Bible said. I didn't make that up. I can't write it like that. You know, I'd have been like Jesus blew on his eyes and, and they were healed. But I, I didn't write that. That's what actually happened. Jesus spits on the ground. He, stood, he starts playing with the mud or the clay and he sticks it on the man's eyes. He anointed him. You know, that's sometimes I'm sitting at the table and. Uh, one of my children or somebody at the table will anoint me with their drink. They just—it's just unexpected. It's uncalled for, right? But I'm anointed. There you go. What, you can't help it when you're anointed. But that—that that just happens sometimes. But this was Jesus. Jesus was unorthodox. Jesus was a little offensive. No, not a little offensive. He, that was a lot offensive. It's bad enough that this guy was blind, but Jesus. Takes it to a whole nother level. Now this guy's not... Just picture with me. I don't know if the clay was red or brown or black. I don't know if it was tan. I don't know what color it was. I can tell you it was probably not skin color. So this, is the, this, this guy has to go 
from where he's at to the pool of Siloam, and he has to walk with this mud on his eye. He can't see already, so somebody's having to lead him. So he's walking down the street, amen? He's, he's blind, he can't see. He's walking down the street with somebody probably leading him, or I don't know, maybe he had a way figured out that he got around. But either way, he's walking and he's got these two big old black eyes or two big old brown eyes or red eyes. I mean, he was a spectacle if there ever was a spectacle. Talk about losing your pride. Talk about laying down some, some pride that didn't need to be there. Now, I don't know if he had any pride. He was a, probably a, a poor man because he wasn't able to work. I don't know. All I know is the Scripture says Jesus anointed his eyes with the mud. Jesus, the unorthodox and the offensive way that Jesus handled this is what really stands out to me. Because a lot of us are fine if Jesus will take care of us in the way that we want Him to take care of us. It's whenever He does things that we weren't expecting. It's whenever He does things that we, we, we maybe would have done it a little differently. You know, if I was doing this, Jesus, I think I would have handled this a little bit differently. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I think, Jesus, I can think of all kinds of better ways to deal with this issue than the way that you, you dealt with it. And we, we are like that. I don't care if you are, you know, 22 or you're 52 today, you are like that. You, you have a tendency to think it needs to be your way. And Jesus says, look, let me spit on the ground here and play in the mud and then throw those mud balls on your eyes. Right. Jesus doesn't usually do things the way that we think they should be done. But then I want you to notice verse 7. And said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Now I want you to notice very important. It's a really big principle. It's going to take me a really long time to explain. So pay really close attention. Here it is. Obedience leads to sight. I know, it's mind-blowing, right? It's so deep. That's it. Obedience to Jesus leads to sight. You wonder why you can't progress any further in your spiritual walk? Maybe there's something you haven't obeyed yet. Jesus said, hey, this is, this is what I want you to do. You see it in the Word. You know that's what He wants you to do. You know, I don't think it needs to be that way. And He's like... <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's nasty. You, I don't think it needs to be. I, I think it could be my way. She's like, nah, it's got to be this way. It's got to be the ugly way. It's got to be the dirty way. It's got to be the way that we lay down all the pride. And so what happens to this man is, is incredible. And it's awesome. And, and it's spectacular because he was blind. And now, amen, he goes and he's obedient to Jesus. And because he's obedient, he comes back and he's seeing. Now I want you to, let's just go on and let's skip to verse 26. So now we've got some, some Jews that uh, didn't, they, they weren't sure about all this. Verse 26 says, Then said they to him again, the Jews are upset, they said, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? You ever notice something? Anybody know somebody that can get mad at good stuff? Yeah, yes. Like they're irritated when good stuff happens? Don't you just want to slap them? I mean, there's sometimes I just tell people, say, look, you just, come on, can't you see the good here? And this is what's happening. They said, how did this happen? 
What did He do to you? How did He open your eyes? Verse 27, these are the blame people. Remember, it always goes back to who, who did it? Who did it? Whose fault is it? Verse 27, He answered them, I have told you already and ye did not hear. Wherefore, would ye hear it again? Will ye also be His disciples? Now that's a good question. Now even if I tell you again what Jesus told me to do, it's not going to make any sense to you because you just aren't going to believe it. You don't, you don't want to see the good. You know, there are some people that, that it doesn't matter uh, what, what a person does. They will never see the good in that person because they just don't think any good can come from one person. You ever, you ever seen that? Some of you may have felt like you were that person. You're like, yeah, I know. I can't ever get by on some people. And it's just they, all they see is my past. All they see is the mistakes of it. I get it, right? This is the case that this guy was in. He said, look, even if I, even if I told you again, even if I explained how He healed me, how, how my eyes are open, would you then want to be His disciple? Is that what that's going to do for you? Verse 28, then they reviled Him. They, that, that thought that they would actually want to follow Jesus was so offensive to them, they reviled Him and said, Thou art His disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. <laughs> wow. We know that God spoke, spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. We're not even going to believe. I don't care if he did a miracle. We're not going to believe this is from God. Verse 30, The man answered and said unto them, well, herein, why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. He says, look, it's a marvelous thing. I can't explain it, but it is extraordinary. It's marvelous. And if you look up the word marvelous in the dictionary, it, it, will, it will say that it is extraordinary, causing great wonder. He said, it's awesome. This is a marvelous thing. You don't know how it happened, but it happened. You, you don't know how he did it or why he did it or, 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 or the, the, the process that it took to get there, but it happened. So it made you wonder. It's an extraordinary thing. It's a marvelous thing. And when people see, amen, Jesus Christ in you, it is a marvelous thing. When people see what Jesus has done in your life, it's a marvelous thing. Can you explain it? No, I can't explain why I'm not on drugs. No, I can't explain why I'm not bound by alcohol anymore. No, I can't explain why I don't, I don't sleep around. No, I, I don't explain... I can't explain that anymore. I just don't have any desire to. And they look at you and say, hmm, I don't know. I just don't think that's right. You know, I think you're faking. I think something's going on. Maybe maybe there's a little bit more to this. And you're like, you know what? I don't know how it happened. All I can tell you is I was blind, but now I can see. All I can tell you is I used to have a problem, but I don't have a problem anymore. I don't know how he did it, but I'm just glad that he did it. I don't care if you can't explain it. It's a marvelous thing to me. It's an awesome thing to me. It's an extraordinary thing in my life. Amen. Amen. And I, I, I read on down because we're, I believe this church is moving into uh, the miracle of the marvelous. Yeah. It's not just a miracle, right? right? It, you know, some things we focus on, we think, oh, that's a miracle. What a miracle that is. Anybody ever heard somebody say, oh, that was a miracle. Now, okay, I think some people have categories for miracles. <laughs> like some people's miracles are like, you know, if, if a pastor were to produce a rose out of thin air, that would be a miracle. You know, oh, well, that's a miracle. No, it's, you know, magic or whatever. But, but, but here's the deal. There are some people that 
they, they only categorize miracles as something like, you know, uh, a, a broken limb being put back together just immediately. That's a miracle. But it, have you ever heard the story of Chelsea Sullenberger III? Anybody ever heard? You know who he is? Okay, if you don't, he is the, uh, the, the U.S. Air Fly, Airways Flight 1549 pilot that took off January 15, 2009, and he landed that flight on the Hudson River of the Manhattan after both of the engines were disabled by birds, right? Yes. Like, he takes off, and the birds are like, tru, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so both of the, the, the engines are disabled, and 155 people survive because he knew how to land the plane. But everybody was saying it was a miracle, Right? Now, you might think, well, a miracle would have been had he got those engines working again. But the miracle was that for 30 years, this guy had flown and glided and landed and taken off and done all kinds of maneuvers in planes. And so for 30 years, he had been preparing for the miracle. Right. Right. Yes. Oh, some of y'all aren't getting this yet. You're going to get it. We, we sometimes tend to think that it's got to be an instantaneous right now happening. Can, can I tell you that God allows some miracles to just develop over time? Yes, you're just preparing for the miracle. You're not quite ready yet, but you're preparing for the miracle. And when it's time, amen, the miracle is going to take place. And it's going to be marvelous and it's going to be awesome. But sometimes we've got to get outside of our box and say, you know, hey, I was hoping that God would just heal the sanctuary and boom, it'd be taken care of. I was hoping that we just win the lawsuit. Boom, we get it fixed. And I, I was hoping, you, yeah. come on somebody. And I was praying and I was fasting and I was just believing and, and miracle happened. No, no, sometimes miracles happen over time. And sometimes you just have to be ready and you just have to prepare and you just have to keep being faithful and doing what you're supposed to be doing and the miracle will take place. Oh, Pastor, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that that's a miracle. Well, you can think whatever you want, but I choose to believe, amen, that God does everything in His own perfect time, and it's marvelous when He does it. Amen. It's not marvelous when I figure it out. It's not marvelous when my hands can do it. But when God enables it to happen, amen, even if it's over time, it's a marvelous thing. Because Jesus does more than the miraculous. Can He do it? Yes, He can. Right? Can, can God... You know, like I sound like Bob the Builder, right? Can he fix it? Yes, he can. You know, I mean, I felt that way about the sanctuary. Can he fix it? Yes, he can. You know, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we prayed that it would just, it just be fixed, right? But it, it didn't, it didn't happen like that. It's not happening like that. And so I, I want to feel, I feel like I need to just help some of you understand something that that it would be miraculous, right, for God to just poof and it all go away. But that may not build our faith. And because our faith isn't being built and our trust in Him isn't being built, you know, maybe it would come too easy. And sometimes when things come too easy, somebody said one time, they said, yes, faith does move mountains, but, you know, sometimes God hands you a shovel too. Sometimes you just have to go at it. You know, I got faith, but I'm shoveling away. Amen. I got faith, but I, I'm going to do my part, right? And so I, I think one of the things we got to understand is, yes, God can do the miraculous, but sometimes in doing the miraculous, it's not an overnight or an instantaneous thing. And sometimes in doing the miraculous, He is working the marvelous. That's right. Because what has what what this whole? If you go back to the beginning of the book of uh, chapter nine, uh, chapter nine, where He says, "Look, it wasn't this man's fault." 
And it wasn't his parents' fault. It's nobody's fault. It was so that God could get the glory. And sometimes we have to realize that there are things in our life that nobody's to blame for. I, I had this conversation with our board. You know, we talked about who's to blame, who's to blame, right? I, I can tell you that our former pastor, J.B. Mills, who built the church, he could have not known about those trusses being faulty. And, and, and there's no way that he could have known that 21 years later we'd have uh, you know, 25 inches of snow and ice and we'd have gusts of winds that could have caused the damage. He, he could have not known that. The, the guy that you know, built the trusses, he probably didn't know that, couldn't have known that. Now, you know, whether they were built correctly or incorrectly, that's not for me to decide. That's for the experts to decide. But there's nobody in our church that was there then or that is here now. That There's nobody to blame. No, but you can't say, well, Pastor, you should have known. You, you should have known better than the... There's no way I could have known. There's no way our board could have known. There's no way Pastor Mills could have known or Pastor Menlock could have known. Nobody could have known. It's nobody's fault. But it's an opportunity for God to get the glory. Yes. I, I don't know all the details yet. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how it's all going to work out, how God's going to do it. But I can tell you that it's going to be marvelous. Yes. Because that's how God does things. He does them in a marvelous way. And it's for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. And so while we don't understand, amen, why He doesn't just do the instantaneous miracle, I can tell you that He does the marvelous, amen, every time. If you need a miracle, then you are in line for the miraculous. If you need a miracle, then you are in line for the marvelous. Amen. Why? Because we serve the miracle worker. We serve the way maker. There's nothing that is too hard for God. I don't care if you're in this house today and you say, well, you know, I, I just don't think maybe it's for me or I, I don't think that it, you're talking about me. That's great for the church. It's great for you, Pastor, but but I don't know that it's for me. Let me let me just go back to verse 7. And he said, go wash. And he came seeing. Obedience will get you every time. Because a lot of what we face in our Christian life is whether to obey God or not. Whether to go ahead and follow God's leading in our life or to do what we want to do. Let's just be honest. That's the real struggle. The real struggle is not, you know, do I commit murder today or don't I? The real, the real struggle is, do I do what I know God wants me to do or do I do what I want to do today? That's the real struggle. So the Scripture says that He gave him specific instructions and He comes back and He's healed. And, and it's an awesome, marvelous, extraordinary miracle. But then I want you to go on to verse 34. And they answered and said unto Him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost Thou teach us? And they cast Him out as if they weren't born in sin. Right? You notice the people who want to judge you are, are the... The real, you know, ultra spiritual, super holy people that, you know, are full of pride. And verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? This guy wasn't even a believer and he got a miracle. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen Him, and it is He that talketh with thee. And He said, this is what He said, Lord, I believe. Now, that's the good part. But then, I want you to notice, and He worshipped Him. And 
He worshipped Him. Now, now if, if we didn't have that part on there, I couldn't preach this. But since we have that part on there, I can preach this, what I'm about to preach. This is what, when you have obedience that leads to marvelous things in your life, the whole purpose of it is to lead you to this point to be a believer and then to worship. Amen. Now, what do, what do you mean, Pastor? When you worship God, you know what you're doing? You're putting God in the proper place in your life. You're saying you are the Holy One. You are the Righteous One. You are the good. There's nobody like you. And you just keep putting Him in first place in your life. You just keep putting Him at the top, amen, of your life. And that's what worship does. True worship is not about singing a song or us dancing or shouting or running around the church. We do all those things because what we're doing is we're saying you're number one. This is all about you, Jesus. We worship you. We give you all the glory. That's what worship does. So worship is putting Jesus in the proper place in your life. Now, I want to go back. This is what he said. This man didn't sin. It wasn't his parents. It's so that, what? The works of God should be made manifest in him. The whole reason... That this guy was born blind. You're not going to like this part. You, nobody in here is going to like this part. The whole reason this guy was born blind was blind for whatever, 25 years, 30, 35 years, whatever he was born. Whatever he was blind. He was blind for all that time just so he could give God glory. He was blind that whole time just so that one day Jesus could say, it's me. And he said, wow, you're awesome. You are holy. You are good. You are number one in my life. Right, man. And, some, and sometimes I think we get a little confused and we get the cart before the horse and we, we think of worship as just something that we say or something that we sing. But worship is a, a lifestyle. It's a way that we live. It's putting Him first in everything. And so this is what the Scripture says. He became a believer, first of all. He said, Lord, I believe. And then He worshiped Him. Most of you don't have any problem with, you know, you're a believer, right? Everybody in here is a believer. I believe in Jesus. I believe He died. I believe He rose again. I believe He and You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. Those are all wonderful things. But the next step then is to be a worshiper. The Bible says that God is seeking worshipers. Amen. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is seeking worshipers. The Scripture says that the day is coming when true worshipers will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what lets me know. Amen. God is allowing whatever He's allowing in your life right now to get you into a worshiper state. He's trying to do everything He can. It's a marvelous thing. I know it's a tough process, but it's a marvelous thing because He's going to bring you into that mode of worship where you put Him first in everything and nothing else is more important than what He wants for your life. That's true worship and when He does it, it's marvelous. Amen. And as I close today, I want to just I want to I want to give you something really to think about. I want to encourage you because I really believe this. I, I feel like uh, we we've read this. I, I, I preached something like this a long time ago. But but there's something that really, as I was going over this this week and studying, it's kind of like it really resonated in my spirit because I'm always searching for reasons why. <laughs> That's just my makeup. I want to know why. God, why don't you do this? Why did you do this and not that? Why those people and not these people? And, right? And it's like, because we're human, we've always got to come up with a why. And God was showing me as I was studying this week, He's like, just chill. It's going to be marvelous. 
I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm chill, God. I'm chill. I can't be any more chill. I'm just waiting. But it's going to be marvelous. I, your process is not maybe the same as my process. Maybe, you know, we, we see this guy who was born blind, but maybe it's not that you were naturally blind. Maybe just spiritually you're blind. Maybe for a long time you've believed some things that aren't actually truth and aren't actually in the Word of God. You just heard them from somebody or somebody told you when you were growing up something and maybe it's not quite right. Maybe part of what you need to do is come be washed in the water of the Word. Amen. You need to come and have your eyes clean by the principles of truth in the Word of God. I don't know what your process is today, but I can tell you that if God has allowed you to be in this process, what He's trying to do in you is a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous thing. You're not here by accident. It's no, uh, there's no coincidence here. So I would ask you this today in closing, what miracle do you need? What is it that you need today? What, what is it if I said, look, if God could give you any miracle that you had to have today, uh, you know, you need it as soon as possible. What miracle would that be? You don't have to answer it out loud. I don't want you to tell your neighbor or anything like that. I just want you to think about it. What miracle is it that you need? Now, let me take that a step further. How many of you have needed that miracle, but you thought, this is the only way that this is going to happen? This is, it's got to happen this way. Let me just remind you, Jesus usually does things unexpected. He's mainly unorthodox. And so whatever he's doing, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to take the limits off of it. God, this is how it is. I really need this to happen, but I've been thinking that you were going to do it this way for quite a while. So God, this week, what I'm going to do is however you want to do it, whatever you want to do for my life, I'm open. I just want to keep you first. I just want to keep you number one. I just want to follow you because what you're doing in my life is marvelous. Marvelous things happen to everyone. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to make the right decisions every day. This, this guy wasn't even a believer. We've got all kinds of scriptures where people who are rank sinners, God just blessed them, right? He did a marvelous thing in their life. You, God does marvelous things for everybody. But the whole purpose of why He does the marvelous things, it's not that He does them. He does them for everybody. The whole reason of why He does them is for the change in your eternity. For you to get Him in the proper place of your life, the worship phase of your life. Everybody worships something. It just depends on what or who you worship. As you stand with me today... I want to re, re uh, just invent your way of thinking on this. I want to re recalibrate, that's the word I was looking for, recalibrate how you think about the miraculous. Maybe it will happen overnight. Maybe it will happen by tomorrow. Maybe it happens by the end of the week. But here's the deal. None of that matters if you don't get Jesus in the proper place in your life. Because the whole reason you're going through what you're going through right now, I, I'm preaching to somebody, I feel it in my spirit. The whole reason that you're facing what you're facing now is to get Jesus into the first place of your life. Well, Pastor, you don't understand my situation. You don't know where I am. I, I know we all have things that we're facing. Every one of us, we've got trials, tribulations. you got 
deficits you're facing, you got, you know, stress that you're dealing with. I, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of your situation. I'm just trying to tell you what God wants to do in your situation is marvelous. The marvelous part of it is you getting Him into the proper place in your life. Can He do a miracle? Yes. Yes, He can. He does instantaneous miracles. Man, people's eyes that were blind, now they can see. People's limbs that were broken, they are mended. People that were dead, raised to life again. He can do all those things. We've seen Him do all those things. We've heard testimonies of Him doing all those things. But does He always do it just like that? No. No, so here's the deal. I'm not going to focus on the miracle. I'm going to focus on the marvelous. I want the church to be ready. I'm ready to be back in the sanctuary. I'm ready for most of you to have the uh, inconvenience lifted off of you and for it to be a little bit easier for everybody to worship together. I, I'm, I'm ready for that. I, I wish the lawsuit would hurry up and take place and we'd be good to go and everything would just work out. I just, you know, there's some other things in my life and in my family stuff that I've been kind of struggling with a little bit lately. I'm just really going to be honest with you. But I've been focusing more on when does the miracle happen? Come on, God. You're faithful. I know you are. You're big enough. You're bad enough. You can handle this. And what I feel God telling all of us today is don't focus on the miraculous as much as you focus on the marvelous. It's a marvelous thing. The process that you are in right now, it's a marvelous thing. God's leading you to trust Him more. God's leading you to put Him first. So thank God for that. And this is what I want to challenge you to do as we close today. Whatever it is that you need, you're in line for it. I'm telling you, God is doing it in your life. Why? Because He's good all the time. And if it's according to His will, there's no doubt in my mind, it is going to happen for you. I have no doubt about that. There's not, not even the slightest bit of doubt. But we, a lot of times, eject ourselves from the situation because we get things out of order, we get things out of place, and we don't focus on the one who makes it happen. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes? I want to pray and open up this altar. I want to open this place up today for us that have been struggling to focus on the miracle that we would focus on the marvelous over the miracle. Lord Jesus, each and every one in this house has been or is dealing with some major issue. Maybe in their family. Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe maybe it's a, a job situation. God, maybe they're dealing with issues with their children or with their spouse. Maybe, God, there's some uh, family members that have really hurt them or done things, Lord, that, that, that are uncharacteristic. And God, maybe they're dealing with some of these things and they just want these things that just disappear and just work out and everything to be okay. And God, we don't understand a lot of times why people do the things that they do, but we know, God, that the miracle is going to take place. That you are going to get the glory. And God, that you will have your way if we will let you and we'll put you in first place in our lives. So God, today, speak to our hearts and draw us closer to you. Draw us closer to that worship place in our life that nothing else matters but pleasing you. And God will give you glory for it. In Jesus' name. This altar's open. If you want to pray where you are, if you want to come here, amen, I want to encourage you. Pray today and talk to God. Don't, don't 